drinking today, Maddie? Nothing. Well, I have water, but I don't know that that counts. That <laughs> yeah, counts. That's a, that is a beverage. Yeah, the nearest liquor store to me is 25 miles away. Oh, no way. Like, this is somewhere I would never want to live for the rest of my life. This is not okay. Where are you again? Jonesville, Virginia. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. I know, it sounds super poppin', but it's not. <laughs> that doesn't sound poppin'. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, well, I have this bottle of Malbec I think I'm gonna open. Oh, do it. I'm house-sitting right now, and the people were like, oh. you can drink our wine. We don't drink it very fast. But then we've, I've already had three bottles of their wine. And then my mom, my, they're, they're my mom's friends. Like, it's okay. not, like, my mom came up. But my mom was like, I'm gonna take a bottle of their wine, too. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I don't want them to come back and there'll be, like, five bottles of wine gone. But. How do they not drink wine fast? No, they have so much wine. Really? Yeah. I was thinking, I was like, that couch does not look familiar, but I was like, yeah, eh, Lauren's parents, you know how they be. Yeah, right? Oh, no, everything is constantly changing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, sometimes that's, that's what I'm up to. I'm house-sitting for this gorge cat. Uh, his name is Zero. He's a bangle. <gasps> so pretty. Like, yeah, except for, like, the breeding of those is super inhumane. But yeah, other than that, I'm so happy. I don't know much about it. It's not my cat. I'm just... I'm just hanging out with it. Yeah, that's true. You didn't you didn't pick the cat. That's not your fault. Not a choice that I made, no. But yeah, you're just really kidding. Cute. He's really fun. He finally likes me. We had a couple rough days, but it's getting better. I think Bengals are like pretty sensitive cats, like more so than the usual cat. Oh, I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's weird because I used to have cats um growing up and like I was like I I'd never had a dog and then I got a dog and now I haven't had cats for a really long time. And I, like, don't remember. Because you killed Kitten. I did not kill Kitten. Kitten died while I was in New York. So. He died of depression. Oh, that cat did not care about me. I did. I did one time accidentally um, chop off a bit of one of my cat's tails as a child. Like bone? Um, not quite. But... No, it was not. It was it was not great. That's that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, no, this cat and I are finally getting along. Anyways, other than that, I'm just working. Um oh oh, my yeah, God, how's I'm, work? Work is work is fine. It's we're just still doing these like play dates where kids just like come in and play. But today so we have this like swing rig. Oh my god, I saw your Snapchat of this earlier and yeah, I laughed aloud. It was it so was, funny. So weird. So there's this like swing way where we can hang like trapezes and like baby swings and we make bridges and like we just like hang all this stuff from it and they're basically just like that's this big wood thing from the ceiling and then straps that hang down and you can clip clip on and off different pieces. And so I was talking to this dad. It's like with COVID, a bunch of parents keep being like, oh, I put a trapeze bar in my house or like I now have a slide in my kitchen just because like they don't have anywhere for their kids to run around. And so I was like, yeah, like a ton of parents keep saying that they want these like this swing rig in their house. And the dad goes, dirty. And it like took me a minute to process. And then I was like, oh, oh my God. Like, <laughs> He's saying that he wants to like make a sex swing. No, he's saying that it's he just has a dirty mind. Although that is also though, why would he like? Well, he was like, me. if my friends wanted this in their houses, 
that's what they would do. Like, and I was like, oh my God, why are you uh, telling this? Like, you yeah, it is really weird. Strapped to your body and your three-year-old is running around and I like have my hair in pigtails and I'm like bouncing around. Like, this is not the time to be talking about this. You this know, like, it's like crazy. no adult human interaction, especially with COVID. True. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. And then I had a dad today whose hand got pooped on. So yeah, that's- At least it wasn't your hand. Oh yeah, no, it was not my hand. But anyway, how are you, Maddie? I probably have COVID. (gasps) I was in direct contact with someone that has tested positive and not just like a little bit, like, oh my God, like I was kind of near them. Like, as in like, I sat with a car in a car with them for multiple hours without mask on and I have symptoms as in I lost my sense of taste and smell earlier (gasps) today. I have shortness of breath and congestion. No. Yeah. So there's basically (sighs) no way I don't have it. I should know for sure tomorrow. Oh my God, Maddie, I'm so sorry. And what's crazy is I am just so just angry because I know people that have been in way riskier situations than me and still have not gotten it. And I did not do like anything wrong. Like the only thing I can like suspect is that like me or someone on this team like touched like an infected surface and then like didn't properly disinfect their hands before like touching their face or something because we've only been to walmart twice and we went out to eat like two or three different times but we never ate in the restaurant or even at outdoor seating we always took it like to go and ate it at, in the car at our house wow That's and we crazy. always we're all really good about wearing our mask and stuff yeah, no, I'm sure. I mean, that's the scenario in which you, like, would be. Yeah. That's crazy. So what is it like to not be able to taste? Be able to what? Taste. Like, not having taste. I don't know. It was weird because I I only noticed it with this with when I ate dinner, which was McDonald's. Because we, like, basically they said we're not allowed to use our kitchen because they want us, like, isolated away from each other as much as possible. So we've been going and getting, like, food that can be, like, curbside delivery. So, like, okay, that really limits our options. So we got McDonald's. And I was, like, eating the fries, and I could see, like, a fuck ton of salt on them. And I was like, these don't taste salty. And I just kept trying to eat them to see if they would start tasting like salt. And they never did, even though I could see the visible salt on them. Oh, no, Maddie. Yeah. Well, you'll have to keep us updated on how you're doing. I hope that you have a speedy recovery and that your team has, like, a speedy recovery as well. Yeah, I know. It really sucks because, like, none of us did something risky. Like, I, like the few people that I've already told, they've just been like, what did you do? And I'm like, nothing. Like, I'm probably one of the most safe people I, I've known throughout this pandemic. Like, I, I did not do anything risky. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, it just sucks. I mean, like, also, the, like, we have all these new strains that are super contagious. And like, there's been proof that it could be airborne. So potentially, if I was in a place that wasn't like, the air wasn't circulated well enough or something, like, who knows? Right. Oh, scary. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I've fallen victim. No. <laughs> I also lost my AirPods this week. Oh. 
Yeah. Dirty. On the way to, yeah, on the way to the COVID test. And I was like, this would fucking happen to me. Oh, no. Yeah. My boyfriend accidentally stole my AirPods this week. But you got them back. Well, no. Oh. But I will. Yeah, but mine are on a street somewhere. And well, my guess is they fell out. Okay, so I thought the car oh. maybe, I thought the car maybe had a flat. And so they were in my pocket. And so I went, like, this is the one time I got out of the car during this whole entire excursion to go get these COVID tests. I think it fell out. And then when I retraced my steps, when I realized they were gone, um, it was like, I asked the CV, because we had stopped at a CVS to get some prescriptions filled. And I like called the CVS and I was like, do you have my AirPods? And they're like, no. And I was like, okay, they either really don't have them or someone stole them. <laughs> Yeah. Sad. Yeah. So my, my week isn't that good. No. Oh, poor thing. I'm so sorry. Well, I'll be sending you all the good Mojo Jojo. Thanks. Yeah. Well, should we get into our episode then so that you can yeah. get rid of that COVID in your body? Yeah, that's why I was like asking you if we could do it urgent. <laughs> Um, record earlier because I was like, oh, I really need some sleep. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, well then we'll we'll be speedy. Yeah. Let's go. All right. What are we talking about? The okay. I have to preface this with saying like this is one of the few words, like well not one of the few, but like one of the words that I just can never say correctly. So um, we're gonna try my best throughout this episode to say opioid. There you go. Yeah, I said it right. That was it. You did it. Yeah, but we're going to talk about the opioid epidemic. <laughs> I'm going to have to really think about it every it's time a, I like say a very, it. It's very enunciated. Yes. That's okay. Um, so I was in charge of research for this episode, and I found out quite a bit. And also, I realized I'm a dumb bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Aren't we all? Um, I didn't realize. Okay, do you know exactly what an opioid is? Um, like opioid in general, I think. Yeah, like isn't it like specifically what's is it like the specific like pill that's derived from like poppy plants or whatever, or is it just like yeah? Any- so do you know what pills have like opioids or like what drugs in general have op- opioids in them? Yeah, it doesn't like oxycotton and stuff like that. Like that's the see. I mean, they're painkillers. Yeah. Okay, but my dumb bitch thought like like meth and crack were also also oh no 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 those are not but they are really really linked because a lot of people who start with opioids and getting prescribed something by their doctor then they like no longer get prescribed that end up turning to like meth and heroin because but mostly heroin because heroin actually has like opium in it right right so okay so first i'm gonna start off with like some facts and then i'm gonna talk about how this became like an epidemic in america and feel free to interject whenever you want okay um so uh an estimated 10.3 million people have been affected by the opioid crisis um out of those 10.3 million, 9.9 was due to like the misuse of prescription drugs and then the 808,000 were linked to like heroin. Mm. Um, And that was as of 2018. So um, most of this information I got was either from the CDC or um, from this article um, called Tracing the U.S. Opioid Crisis to Its Roots um, by the, well, 
It's by Sarah Dewart. Um, it's on nature.com, which was a new source I had um, looked into, and it's actually quite international. Um, and it has, it's very reputable, so that was cool. All right. So we like to hear. We love reputable sources. Yeah. Um, as of 2018, 100 and, roughly 128 people die every day from um, opioid overdose. And you know what's something interesting about opioid overdose? Oh, actually, you know, I want to know. I want to know if you knew this because I, I don't actually know. I know this with like other drugs, but I don't mm. know specifically with opioids. Aren't a lot of times those deaths like due to people trying to quit and then like relapsing and taking the same amount that they used to take and then like overdosing? Not a thing. It didn't really talk about that. It talked about like at least in the data that I could find, um, it more just talked about like they did talk a little bit about how a lot of people like deaths have gone up because of um, laced mostly laced heroin that people don't know about. Mm. Like, it's been laced with fentanyl. Right, right. Yeah. It's so scary. Because that is true, is that, like, people will take more heroin not knowing it's laced with fentanyl, which is, like, like way more powerful than heroin is. Um, and then that's what will kill them, because they took more than they realized they should have. Because, like, if they would have known it would have been laced, they would have probably known to not take as much. Right. So, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. That's interesting. That I didn't know that it was, I didn't, I mean, I knew that like fentanyl is like not a good thing, but I. Yeah. So fentanyl is actually a synthetic opioid. It's still an opioid, uh, but it, like, that's the reason it's like so powerful is it's synthetic. Oh, interesting. So people basically were able to like doctor it into making it a more powerful drug. Yeah. Should we talk about like the beginning of the opioid crisis? Like, why is this a crisis? I'm going to get, get to there? that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, but I wanted to read some facts so people, like, understand how just, like, not great it is. Um, I only have a couple more, and then we can get into the whole history of it. Okay. So, um, roughly 21 to 29% um, percent of those that get prescribed an opioid end up misusing them. Which basically means, like, they, you know, take too much than they should, become addicted, things like that. Um, and then about um, 80% of people that are using heroin, um, it's because they first started misusing a prescribed opioid. And then um, lastly, the death rate from drug overdoses has tripled from 1999 to 2017. And this is mostly because of opioids. Shit. Yeah. The sad part about it is like, I'm so not surprised. Like, of yeah. course it has. I think it's, you know, we're living in a day and age where it's physically more apparent than ever. Like, I don't, I think most people I talk to have someone that they know who's been affected by not necessarily opioids in particular, but drug addiction and drug abuse in general. See, that's what I think I I was initially confused about what was an opioid versus like what wasn't. I think I just assumed like all like hard drugs in my mind, which is also a broad term I realize now, was an opioid but like because I've had a lot of family that's like been addicted to like meth and crack but I don't know anyone that's been addicted to like an actual opioid oh interesting yeah I I, not that I know of at least not like maybe there was someone in my family but they just haven't told anyone which is possible I guess well I feel like that's one of the things about opioids is because it's prescribed like it's so much easier to to hide 
Yeah. Or yeah, to, you're like, no, this is my prescription. Like, totally. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I have, I have a cousin who she had a back injury when she was early 20s at a rave. And, <laughs> but you know, like, whatever, like, we're all young. Like, we're allowed like, to rave. Yeah. yeah. You should be able to go to a rave and not like, yeah, she couldn't have addicted to painkillers but no she had a back injury and that's like one of the biggest ways that people end up getting addicted to opioids is back injuries in particular and you know she they prescribed her opioids and she was addicted for a really long time and I think she's finally starting to get to a point where she's like not using them but it's it's so hard and it really like changed a lot of aspects of her life yeah that's what's like so like that was another thing I kind of I haven't um I didn't really touch on this in my notes, but we can kind of touch on it right now is like, I was like, okay, so what is, what is the feeling of an opioid give you? Like, why would you Mm. want to do this? And so, um, basically it gets, gives you like a rush of just like euphoria, just like, um, complete, just like bliss and happiness. Um, and for people that are in pain, like this is the exact opposite of how they're feeling. And so they're like, I love this. Like, it's it's keeping me from being in pain, whether that's like a mental pain or a physical pain. Um, but over time it like destroys those like, like happiness receptors in your brain and it's going to be harder and harder to reach that happiness, which is why a overdoses happen because you have to take more and more and B, once you get off of it, it's going to be harder and harder to find happiness. Absolutely. Well, and then a big reason like why they were even prescribed in the first place is there became a big push, I believe from pharmaceutical companies probably, um, for like, if you're a good doctor, your patient is not in pain. Like that is the- Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're on the right track. So basically what was happening was that, um, like before the like, like eighties, like pain management wasn't really something doctors like even thought about. And then it was like, like physicians basically got together and were like, okay, we need to manage people's pains. Like people are in a lot of physical or mental pain and we're we're not doing anything for that. And so there was like kind of some studies slash like some medical evidence that like opioids could like help people's pain. Um, There was even like one study that like promoted its use. It was like, it only tested it on like 38 people. Like, so definitely not enough, but like they were like, oh yeah, these 38 people felt better. Um, so it was just like, okay. And, um, basically from there, um, once, and then also some laws were passed that made it so physicians would be prosecuted less, um, basically if they were trying, like, for, if they were aggressively trying to manage their patient's pain, they couldn't really be prosecuted for it because they were just trying to manage their patient's pain. Oh, interesting. Well, then I've also heard that, like, so, you know, in the ER, when you go into the ER and there's, like, the sad face, I'm really in pain, to, like, happy face, I'm in no pain, that kind of thing. That mm-hmm. scale is really recent, and it, they kind of, it kind of came in around the same time that opioids began being prescribed, and it was like, oh, if you're really in pain, like, how do we quick fix get you to feel better so that I get a good score on my – like, that became a thing, too, is, like, the doctors were being – I don't know if scoring is the right word per se, but their ratings, they were being, you know, promoted as a good doctor if their patients were in less pain. And that was like a way that hospitals were marking how good of a doctor you were in a lot of situations. Yeah. And like, what's hard for, like, it's hard to 
blame doctors per se, because like I said, doctors, there was no emphasis in their medical studies about how to manage someone's pain. It was like, not like it just suddenly became a thing. And so then they were like, okay, like, fuck, I'll do it. Like, whatever you say is going to make someone feel better. I'll do it just to like make someone not be in pain. Cause like, right. And since they, they didn't really know, they were just like, yeah, sure. Like, I believe this pharmaceutical company is telling me the right thing. And so the first pharmaceutical company um, that was actually able to produce a prescription opioid was um, Purdue Pharma. And it was 1995. That's when the first one came out. And let's, sorry. It was basically, they came, Oxy was the first one. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, and then the reason why, um, another reason why doctors were so like easily led astray was that these um, pharmaceutical companies started basically um, like giving them money to give away their drugs. And like, not only was it like they would get money for even ordering the drug, but like for every patient they gave the drug to, they'd get more and more money. Mm. So it was like commission-based, like giving people opioids. So I have a question. I, I don't know if this is something that you looked up, um, but is there less of an opioid epidemic in other countries because of universal health care? Yes. So this is something that I looked into or like um, there in Canada, actually, surprisingly, it's a pretty big issue because their doctors are were also getting money for prescribing it, just like our doctors were. Mm. Um, so in, basically in Europe, they haven't really been affected by an opioid epidemic, um, yet. There is predictions that they might. It's, it's been shown that basically now that, um, the U.S. has been like, shame, Purdue Pharma, bad job, you did bad. They've been like, okay, why don't we go over to Europe and do the same exact, like, marketing strategy, Oh, interesting. And, and into low-income countries. So they're basically oh. doing the same fucked up shit they did to our doctors. To So, like, basically, like, 15 to 20 years from now, the same problem that we're already having in the U.S. could start popping up in other countries. Oh, interesting. Gosh, yeah. Crazy. And you know what's, like, so interesting about this, too? And I, I wonder um, what, like, the actual research on this is. But, like, didn't Purdue in particular know the negative effects like wasn't that was like a big thing is they knew exactly what was going to happen they like they very intentionally planned this yeah no they lost a giant lawsuit basically over it and had to admit fault in this lawsuit and they they did they admitted that we knew the potential negative effects and we pushed it onto people and to doctors anyways gross that's so bad. Yeah, so look, more about the whole Purdue Pharma case admitting that, and so it was a 2007 lawsuit where they had to admit fault, and um, the U.S. fined them only $635 million, which I, that seems like not enough, but, uh, yeah. uh, um, but they basically, um, they knew that opioids were, um, a, not particularly effective for treating chronic pain. So what they claimed to do, they weren't even doing. Um, and that with long-term use, people could develop a tolerance to the drugs and become even more sensitive to pain. Right. Yeah. And they they claimed that they, um, Oxycontin, and specifically, because that was their, specific, Purdue Pharma's specific drug, was that um, it was 
less addictive than other opioid painkillers, but also knew that was untrue. Wow. Yeah. And knew that doctors and patients were unaware of this and exploited it. So then I guess like the next, unless you have like more like facts and history stuff, like what, what do we do? Like, how do we get ourselves out of this situation? Is it just waiting? Is it just not prescribing them anymore? Is there like help for people who are addicted? So the problem is, so I actually looked into this. So not only was part of the problem that like pharmaceutical companies had lied to us, had purposely given like doctor, like the medical community and our government money to basically pretend like opioids weren't an issue when they totally were. Um, once this was basically all discovered and they made all of these changes to, there was also the problem where it was really easy for people basically to get prescriptions refilled without their doctor knowing about it. And so that's how people were like easily getting these like prescribed painkillers, but they weren't actually prescribed anymore. Um, so basically once they figured out how to get rid of all of those loopholes, um, people turned to heroin and heroin, um, um, became really big in 2013. It like increased like five times, like the usage of it increased like fivefold. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so the people were just like, okay, you've made it so I can't get prescribed opioid anymore. I'll go and get the black market stuff. And then the problem with the black market stuff is that it's filled with fentanyl and others like laced with other things that are not good for you. Well, I think something really important to think about in terms of that too is like, it's, you know, you think about yourself as, you know, like, I don't think about myself as a drug addict. I could not imagine ever, like, seeking out heroin or meth or anything like that. But a lot of the people who are being affected by this are, like, very, you know, are, are the type of people who n- would never have gone and done this. Like, they are s- so deep into addiction that they are now seeking out black market heroin. Like, these are you know, business people and, like, even people you see on TV and all of this stuff, like, it's not the stereotype you have in your head anymore of people who are doing heroin. And, like, young people, too. Like, a lot of really young people are being prescribed opioids and then, you know, they end up, like, really just screwing up their entire futures because they end up turning to heroin. Yeah. Um, I thought another thing that was interesting, which, like, we're not going to be shocked by this, but opioids are, of course, um, are tr- can be are connected with race oh, so because they were supposed they were supposed to basically be like the white person's drug mm-hmm. and again these pharmaceutical companies purposely marketed to like doctors and hospitals that were like suburban or in like rural primarily white communities and it's only recently started to affect black communities in large numbers um, but yeah, because they were basically like, how are we going to, f- because they're like, basically like at this point, crack and meth and we're like already associated with black people. And so they were like, what's the, how are we going to find like a painkiller that can be like attractive to white people? And they're like, ah, oh, this. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's crazy. Yeah. So, like, what's, what do we do? How do we fix this problem that we've gotten ourselves into? Um, uh, I mean, I personally believe we have to, like, offer, like, addiction treatment. 
like more free addiction treatment to people because like um, a lot of the places that were hard hit by the opioid epidemic were also very low income, like West Virginia, Kentucky, New Hampshire, um, places like that, where there's like a high unemployment rate because there's been like an economic downturn, um, have really high opioid like rates or high, high opioid addiction rates. Um, and they have no way of like treating it. Wow. That's awful. Yeah. But I mean, once again, it's it's so crazy. And I, you know, I say this a lot with a lot of things that we talk about that are not as like sunshine and rosy and whatever, but like, it's not as shocking as I feel like it should be. Like these should be facts that I'm like, oh, heart wrench. Like, but yeah, like I can't believe a pharmaceutical company would do this to me. Like someone that's supposed to be behind science and yeah. Right. Well, and then, you know, something interesting. So right now, like we're obviously in the middle of a pandemic and things like vaccines are rolling out and I don't know about you but for me like I you know I want to get a vaccine like I plan to as soon as I can but then there's also the part of me that thinks like but why are we trusting like who is it that we're trusting with this like what is you know the actual intention do we trust that they have the heart of American people wherever the people of the world or is this really just another money-making ploy like my thing is, is that it's, like, another money-making ploy, but, like, I mean, they're profiting off making sure people, I don't know, now I'm, now you've got me confuzzled. Right? Like, it's, but that's, and it's one of those things, like, I want to be, like, so hands down, like, I am here for it, because, like, I totally trust science, but we've also been lied to. It's just true, because they were just, like, let's, what's the quickest fix we can get to ease someone's pain? Oh, I know people love opium. Let's give it to them in large doses, even though we know it's addictive. Well, and I mean, similarly, everyone's anxious to move on with their lives. And so, of course, we're jumping at the fact that we, you know, are ready to get a vaccine. And, like, I think that should be a a good thing. Like, for sure, I want to trust that. But then, I, you know, like, the American people have been gaslit before, where they've been told that something's good for them and jump on it, buy it, and then it turns out it's not. I think that's why I say American people, because I don't think other countries have the same fear that we do. Yeah, because the, the, the epidemic hasn't, the opioid epidemic hasn't affected them yet. This is largely just a North American issue at this point. Right. Well, um, and I think just like the healthcare system in general, like I think we have major distrust in medicine in the U.S. that, we, that other countries don't have. They yeah, trust well, that a doctor is going to take care of them and not screw them over. Exactly. Like, they know that their doctor doesn't have any, like, like, there's no, like, money for him at the end of the day for prescribing or not prescribing them a certain drug. They're only just going to prescribe them, like, what they need. Totally. Um, On a similar vein, something this article brought up um, is that part of the problem is that the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is charged with evaluating safety and effectiveness of the drugs when used as directed. Not when abused. Not when abused. And, um, like, the effectiveness of a drug. So if you're just taking um, an opioid at its face value, it does remove someone's pain. Totally. But you're not, you're not looking at the whole entire story of it. So if they're just basing it off of that, of course they're going to approve it. Right. 
so that's like that's the another problem is that our system is built to look at the whole story it's like does it do what it says it's supposed to when directed yes okay approved yeah check <laughs> yeah check so like that's why it's stuff like that just like gets passed through the system and there's no like double check on it yeah well it could be the same thing with this vaccine right totally it's like is it effective when used as directed yeah okay do it yeah that's that's very true well and then you know what's also interesting about that is then people have pain have issues whatever and the actual source is not being treated and that could be really dangerous as well yeah because they, they a lot of the the article did talk about a lot how um a lot of people are using it for like physical pain in the short term but then like the people that normally become addicted to it have mental health issues and so they're used and then they real when they realize it can not only help their physical pain but their mental pain that's when they like turn to that to self-medicate right mm. yeah which is like Super upsetting. So I, I would say like part of the solution is A, like federal mental health reasons. So people don't turn to something that's really addictive and bad for them in the long term. And B, when people get there, offering them services um, to treat their addiction and like giving them the support that they need. Like I think there needs to be like way more support groups and stuff. I was recently looking into like support groups um, just because someone like asked me to for them. They're like, hey, do you know if there's like like support groups, like, I don't know, I'm having a hard time finding them. Would you mind looking? And I was like, yeah, sure. It's really hard to find support groups. Like it should not be that hard. No, definitely not. I feel like opioids too are like kind of have to be a secret, not, they don't have to be, but they end up being like a very secret yeah. thing that people are struggling with. Like, it's not like, oh, okay, I'm an alcoholic. There is a community of people that we, we talk about this. This is something that is brought up all the time. And I feel like when you are prescribed something by a doctor and then you become addicted to it, there's almost like more shame in that where it's like, oh, alcohol, we know that that could be bad for you. Weed, we know people can, uh, well, but like, you know, people can abuse anything. Yeah. And same with like, even just being like a more traditional meth view that, I mean, not that anyone wants to, I don't know, that's a, that's a whole other thing. But I'm just, you know, like, I don't know, with a prescription drug, it feels so different to be like, I'm struggling with this. Yeah, because it's, like, at one point, it's, like, oh, I really was given it because I needed it, because I was, like, recovering from surgery or something like that, and then I liked it too much, and now I'm addicted. Yeah, and that's not their fault at all, and honestly, like, why are, like, big, why is Big Pharma not held more accountable? I mean, I know you said that they, like, had to admit fault, whatever, but, like, shouldn't they be the one like shouldn't they have to like i feel like they should be forced to be like helping yeah no like i yeah i think they should have to like yeah i think a we should be making them pay more fines for the pain and suffering they've caused to millions of americans and then and we'll continue to cause like this isn't over this is yeah people still get prescribed if they're still on the market or now they're turning to heroin because they can't get what's on the market like you're still causing someone pain but anyways i think they should get fined and that those fines should be reinvested into the american people specifically those affected by the opioid epidemic and helping them get treatment or like mental health treatment, like whatever, whatever treatment they need. It's probably a combination of all of the above, but. Right. But it, it, there's, there's a lot of things within the system that are being neglected right now. And I think that the people who caused this problem should be held responsible and they have the money to do it. Oh yeah, for sure. They've, they've now made millions off of 
like basically people's pain and suffering. Right. Well, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I felt like I, I learned, it sounded like, honestly, I feel like you knew more about me going into this than I did. I was just like, what? I feel like all of it was, like, on the out, like, on the peripherals of my awareness, but then when I actually, like, sat down and read about it, I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah, it's intense. I, um, my senior year of college, I took a oh. freshman speech class, oh. and I did a, my, like, big speech on the opioid epidemic <laughs> so oh. I, I had done the research but it has been a while since yeah. I looked into it so I don't know like my sources anymore or anything like that but I sort of remember these big major ideas and yeah it's ridiculous and to be honest so like I said I, I my cousin has um been addicted and so I've like sort of witnessed this like throughout my like adolescent and early college life mm-hmm. um and so, like, I think I also knew more about it because, like, I had researched it because of that. Like, I'd known quite a bit about it before that just because it's something that had directly affected me. And I kind of thought everyone sort of, like, was affected and knew about it. Um, but maybe not. That's what, that's just what happens, though. When something, like, affects you, you're just like, I don't know. Like, as soon as you – but that's, like, good that you, if you, like – we need to – in a weird way, we need to, like, normalize it. I think that's what we were kind of getting at is that, like, it became more normal. People could talk about it, get the support they need, but we're like not quite there yet. Then also if it becomes like torn normalized, that means like a lot of like even more people than are, than already are, are dealing with it to the point of like, does that make sense? Oh, totally. Totally. No. Yeah, no, I agree. And oh, the other thing is, um, when I was in college, I took well, science of drugs. <laughs> you druggy. Well, I didn't do drugs in class. Never in class. That would be wrong. <laughs> oh my god. So what, what did you learn in your science or drugs class? Oh, nothing, actually. It was a really terrible class. Oh my god. <laughs> Go off. But I did, I think I did, I think that's where I like learned what specifically an opioid was, opposed to just, because I think before that class, I thought that an opioid was like, all of that kind of stuff kind of fell into that category. That's what I didn't. thought. I was like, I was like, oh, I bet you coke and meth and crack. But it turns out I'm fucking stupid. Well, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. a little. Well, hopefully we've helped educate you guys a little bit on this. Um, I think it's, like, as shitty as the whole situation is, it's really fascinating, like, if you like, looking into it more, just, like, how much people knew about, like, what was going to happen. Like, this was so easily predicted. And honestly, someone, like, this is, like, just, like, evil. It's evil. Yeah, well, that's what's so, like, I feel like if it would have just, like, naturally somehow come about, but the fact that we can pinpoint to, like, who, how it basically all got started, and the fact that, like, pharmaceutical companies were pushing it onto the community, like, that's what's so, like, messed up about it, is that we have, like, a a place to place sorry, people to place blame on. And it's, that's what's so messed up about it. It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's crazy. these people like knowingly did wrong and like caused death and addiction and just turmoil for like families across America. Do you think they feel bad? I think, I guess, 
guess it's probably like a little bit, but not enough to really disrupt their normal life. I bet you like when they go to bed at night, they're kind of like, not my finest moment. But then they're like, okay, turn it over and goes back to bed. Oh, but let me just roll in my money. It's okay. Yeah. Like, oh, but I got that Rolex. So (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, or they're probably justified in their brains. Like, I swear I didn't know as addictive as it was. And you're like, oh, shut the fuck up, Bob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, no, I don't think anyone, I, I firmly believe that no one thinks that they are evil. I mean, I think that there are some people who, like, you feel guilt for things that you do wrong, but I don't think anyone thinks that they're, like, a bad guy. Like, they don't do anything. Yeah, no one wants to believe that they're, like, the villain in a story. I mean, maybe some people thrive off of that, but I would say the majority don't. Right. It's like, yeah, no, most people don't. There's obviously some people who do, and usually that tends to, like, align with um, some unhealthy tendencies. So (laughs) There's other stuff going on there. There's other stuff going on. But for the most part, like, people don't try to be evil. No. Um, but I wonder, like, to really do something, like, to justify that in your head. Because you have this, to. This is kind of a crazy, almost jump, but it almost kind of reminds me of, like, the Nazis. Like, I know this is, like, way worse in some ways, but, like, it just would have taken, like, one person to be, like, like, someone I should say high up. To be, like, no, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. But no one did, because then no one wanted to be the person that was double questioned, like, questioning things that was making them like more powerful and more money right oh totally i mean yes i obviously one was a lot more devastating actually i mean i mean i mean okay differently in it killed okay so the holocaust killed a little over six million um mostly jewish people but also like gypsies the handicapped um lgbtq plus communities um, while the opioid epidemic hasn't killed as many people, but it's affected more people because it's yeah. affected almost a lot. Well, and it's million. a lot more silent. Yes. I think is you know, like, it's not as in your face about how much it affects someone's life. Yeah. But I, I'm not trying to, like, com- I'm only trying to compare the two in that it's that same psychological phenomenon where, like, right. if someone just would have, like, stood up and said something, like, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we are today. Or maybe we would have, but it's hard to say. Yeah, who knows? Well, you know, unfortunately, we can't go back and change that. But hopefully, I mean, there is more education on it now. And hopefully it is something that begins to begin to be mended in the future. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Weenies and Winos. Please like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Weenies and Winos Podcast. Become a Patreon for as little as $2 and get exclusive benefits such as bonus content and getting to pick out what we drink. Catch y'all next time. Bye. Yeah, that was better. <laughs>